just like my whole experience and like my identity and culture colors every single thing that I interact with and all the things that I learn about. I think that that's just like a super important thing to have in entertainment. I mean, entertainment like influences everything around us. And there's just like not a lot of native people in entertainment. Even if I'm not telling native stories, my whole life is influencing like all the decisions that I make in the way that I'm seeing things and creating things. Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising BIPOC artists who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamoto-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Stella Longfish. She is an indigenous artist working as a color designer at Netflix. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, uh, I've been at Netflix for like almost a year now, um, color designing on Kid Cosmic, which is like a super cool new show, um, which is headed by Craig McCracken, who did like Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, which is super crazy to be on because I like watch those shows as a kid. Yeah, that's really cool. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it feels like a dream, like sometimes. <laughs> so the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. Cool, cool. All right, let's start this off. Who did a better job at inventing their children? Professor Utonium from Powerpuff Girls or Dr. Wakeman from My Life as a Teenage Robot? Oh, I was going to say I have to choose Powerpuff Girls because I'm on Craig's <laughs> show, but our producer is Rob Renzetti who made <gasps> really? My Life as a Teenage oh, Robot. I didn't know that. What a, what a tough choice. Yeah. Worlds collide. Oh, worlds collide. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know that. The reason I asked this question, because even though we say in between is a fun, casual game, it's also it's deadly serious. Yeah. There's a lot of stakes. We're usually familiar with what you've worked on. So we try to ask questions geared towards that and seeing like, do they stand by what they work on or do they go with this other option? But I did not know that like this information. So that's honestly awesome. Yeah, I didn't know Rob Rossetti was the producer. I definitely mm-hmm. knew that. Craig McCracken was the, the showrunner there. But. Yeah, they're like old time friends. So, mm, that's so awesome. I guess I have to say both, like just to keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a preference of one or the other? I think they're both equally as good. <laughs> all right, cover all the bases. I see how it is. <laughs> Who is a better pet slash best friend? Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon or Stitch from Lilo and Stitch? Oh, I think Toothless. <laughs> that was really fast. <laughs> yeah. Toothless reminds me a lot of my cat. I have like a big mm. black cat who like looks mm-hmm. and acts a lot the same way. So it's like easy choice. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually kind of thinking that I was like, uh, probably the cat one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. Thank you so much for playing in between with us. Hopefully that wasn't too tough on you. Hopefully you had a little <laughs> bit of fun. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty tough, but I made it through. <laughs> had a small yeah. crisis in the middle. Yeah, just a little crisis. <laughs> Let us know your response to today's in-between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com.
Okay, awesome. So let's get into this. So to start off, can you tell us what is your role as a color designer in a production? So I think a lot of people don't like know what a color designer is or haven't like mm-hmm. heard about the job before. So my job mm-hmm. is to color props, characters, and effects. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like the very last stop in like the design pipeline. So I get all of the like finished like character designs, prop designs, and like effects. <clears throat> and then it's my job to color them in with like with their like day stock colors. So like they're just like base colors. And then from there, um, I also have to design special lighting for like whatever time of day or like any like special story moments that require anything like that is also what we do. Awesome. Yeah. So the show that you're working on right now is Kid Cosmic, which is about a young boy who finds five magic stones and uses them to form a hodgepodge superhero team. Mm -hmm. It's a good description. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Yuki, for that description. (laughs) It's created by uh, Craig McCracken, as you mentioned earlier, and is coming to Netflix soon. Mm -hmm. So what is it like working on a show like Kids Cosmic? It's amazing. It's like the best show I could have asked for, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like pretty wild working on a show run by Craig because like I grew up watching his shows and it seems really wild that he's like Mm -hmm. my boss now. Mm -hmm. Am I going to like wake up and be like, oh, that was a crazy dream I was just having. (laughs) (laughs) but the show is really great i think people are gonna really like it i've like watching some of the animatics like i've gotten like emotional but in terms of like color it's a pretty like intense show not a lot Mm. of like not every single show is as intense as kid cosmic is we have like a ton of different like times of day and different like lighting situations for like certain shows it's just like there isn't really like any kind of special lighting like loud house doesn't really have a lot of like special lighting in it Mm. but kid cosmic is like all sorts of different things yeah, I remember seeing like some stills of it. I was like, "Oh my god, this 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 looks crazy. This this looks like it's gonna be wild." Yeah, it's very dynamic, huh? Yeah, there's a, a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a it's a good show. Mm. That's awesome. Now, so you started in, in March. Yes. So the reason I asked is because <laughs> um, when I started at Warner Brothers, I also started in March. I literally was there for one week before the lockdown. How long were you actually in studio before the <laughs> lockdown happened? Just curious. Well, I was there for two weeks. <laughs> two whole weeks two whole weeks yeah it was really nice being in the office yeah yeah yeah. how was like how was the transition from being in the studio for those two weeks to now indefinitely being at home i feel like it might have been easier for me than like some of the people who had been on the show longer because i didn't really have like (laughs) much time to compare it to (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like working from home it was like a little like rough getting used to it at first but like i've done like other like freelance and stuff like that and i'm like oh it's just like (laughs) freelancing again (laughs) but nicer because i have a big cintiq that netflix gave me yes that was really nice yeah studio perks (laughs) so uh how did you feel in your first month of working on netflix compared to how you feel now do you feel like more confident in your role because correct me if i'm wrong working at netflix as a color designer is like your first full-on industry job that you've had outside of school Yeah, it's my first like in-house job. Like I did freelance for Powerpuff Girls a while ago, but this is like my first like full-time thing. Mm -hmm. The work that I'm doing now, I like could not have imagined that I was like doing it when I first started. Like I Mm -hmm. said, like it's pretty like complicated color work. Um, So like Mm -hmm. when I first started, I was like looking through the server and like looking through stuff and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this? Like, holy oh. shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but now, like, just like doing it for like eight hours, like every single day, it's just like leaps and bounds ahead of like where I was when I started. Mm-hmm. I was like really intimidated. And now I'm like, oh, I'm that person I like didn't think I was going to be. Nice. Was yeah. Netflix pretty understanding or the production pretty understanding of like a grace period for you to get comfortable and getting your feet wet into this color design role before like fully settling in? 
Yeah, I think I got pretty lucky. My lead was like knew where I came from. And I think she was just like mostly happy that I had like experience doing it and not wasn't just like somebody like totally new. But she like mm-hmm. started me off slowly and like gave me stuff. And she's like, yeah, you can do it. Like, I believe in you. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm not like fucking mm-hmm. this up. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, following her lead just like helped me figure it out and she didn't like keep on like a ton of like really complicated stuff in the beginning which made it easy to kind of like get used to it and like understand like what the show is about and like the workflow and everything yeah Mm -hmm. totally like you mentioned earlier, I think color design is not really something that students always know about or things like that. And it's really interesting to me because color design seems to be the thing that you are actively pursuing. Because mm-hmm. I know color stylist is sometimes considered like an entry position into the design team. So like mm-hmm. people will do color stylist into background painter or props or whatever. But um, this is something that you actively like love doing and want to stay in doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think color design, especially because like the history of like color design is Mm -hmm. in like ink and paint, which was historically a a role that only women held. Mm -hmm. So it's a role that hasn't been like given the same kind of recognition as like character designers or like prop designers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's like intrinsically linked to like the history of it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But it's just as demanding and like difficult as any other like design job. I think it just like it ended up falling into that role of people thinking of it as like an entry into the industry. Yeah. Like almost a a lesser job. Exactly. But like color is so difficult. I like talked to a color stylist (laughs) once and she was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I just kind of like until it feels good. (laughs) Yeah, that's the same thing. Like people ask me like, oh, like what's your whatever? I'm like, I don't know. This color like feels good. And that this is my Mm -hmm. like intuition. And that's like what I rely on when I do a lot of my work. And I mean, like Mm -hmm. I have like a basis in like color theory and like I have like my education and stuff. But a lot of it is like, this feels good. I'm going to do that. This is great. (laughs) I don't know what to tell people about how to do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. no color design and like music is one of those things that really go underappreciated because it's one of the things that set the mood Mm -hmm. and then you don't realize that's helping you be enveloped in the world that you're watching because i think like no offense to you yuki but animation gets a lot of the credit sometimes can't believe (laughs) (laughs) story gets a good amount of credit as well but i think music and color and even like the design of the background sometimes it feels it can often go underappreciated but i think it's super super cool because it's so important it's so so important (laughs) thank you i'm glad you feel that way not offended ray So something that you do also outside of work is that you're also working as a graphic designer for Folia Collective. I'm guessing this kind of ties into your love for plants. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is the Folia Collective and what you do? Folia Collective, it's a boutique plant store in Eagle Rock, Los Angeles. And it was Mm -hmm. like my first job that I got when I moved to LA from the Bay Area. Oh. At the time, my boss was hiring for like a graphic designer. And that's why I was like, I could I could do that. I could figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up she like hired me and I worked like part time in the store and part time as the graphic designer. Hmm. And it's like a mm-hmm. really small company. It's like just a few people. So I was like the only one doing the graphics for it. Mm-hmm. And really, that kind of means that I just kind of do everything. <laughs> like, I think graphic designer was like the closest like title that she could find for what she needed. But I'm just kind of like a mm-hmm. like a visual everyman. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I do like designing like gift cards and like packaging for gift cards and like sometimes new products like um, stickers or like packaging for things or like window decals. <laughs> so kind of like whatever she needs, I do. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Especially like the gift cards or like the greeting cards. That's like, it's cool knowing that someone's like could be getting something that you design is like, and again, they don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> it was super fun because I like worked in the store at the time too. So you would like mm. buy the stickers and I'd be like, oh, great choice. Like, I made those. <laughs> like you made <laughs> So that's really awesome. That's really awesome. So how long out of school did it take you to land your first industry job? Took me about a year until I got my first freelance, which Mm -hmm. was with like Powerpuff Girls, which I interned for. And then after that, it was another like two years before my first full-time job. Mm -hmm. So it can like definitely take a while. (laughs) There was a lot, like a lot of times I felt like pretty bad about like oh like I'm not like working right now like Mm -hmm. all of my friends are working like and I'm not but I think that's just kind of like the the nature of the industry especially with like tv animation that it can just take a while to get into Mm -hmm. it totally can I think it's like oftentimes not that you're you're bad or your skills aren't good enough production's higher who's a good fit depending on like their body of work or their style because it's like oftentimes when you're staffing up for a show whether it's boarding the visual development animation it's like casting for a film it's like is this individual the right actor for this role your time will come your your time came and it seems like you're doing an amazing job you've been there for almost a full year and I think to me it's really great to hear that that like even though it probably was difficult at the time the fact that you're working now do you feel like in the moments you doubted yourself do you feel like kind of silly looking back like why did I doubt myself like I'm doing it I I am good enough like I'm here yeah totally (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) I remember like feeling at like times like really down and being like someday, someday I'm going to like have a job and my life will be totally different. And I'll like look back at this. And I remember being in those moments. And it's so weird to be on the other side now. And it's like, holy shit, I am like, I did do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because at the time, Mm -hmm. it felt like it was just like something I would say to myself. So I didn't like give up and like move home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it did actually happen. Like it worked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't give up. I mean, it was hard, but it'll happen (laughs) if you keep trying. I think what most of it is just luck, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like having the right skills for the job, but it's also like so much like being in the right place at the right time and having the right person looking at you at the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for you, how was that transition into your first in-house job from what you were doing previously? It was good. I feel like I had been mentally preparing myself for a really long time for that. Mm -hmm. And I think also having my experience as an intern prepared me kind of like understanding like kind of how it worked and like being able to remember that experience of like being in an office and like working in animation. Like this isn't like a totally like new thing that I'm going into, Mm -hmm. but it was still like really crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So to kind of talk about that, because you mentioned that you interned for Powerpuff Girls. How was that experience interning on Powerpuff Girls as a production intern at Cartoon Network? Really, really great. Um, I think that those kinds of internships are like invaluable. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think that like you have to have an internship to work in the industry. Uh, I remember like being in school, a lot of people would feel like really bad, like if they weren't getting internships, but like, mm-hmm. it's totally not like the only way to like get into the industry. Um, mm-hmm. But it was definitely really important in my learning and like growth and figuring out like this is what I want to do like okay like I'm here I'm doing it like I've spent these like six years in school like this is what it is like all right this is the right place for me Mm -hmm. 
And just like a really great way to like learn the pipeline and just like, I think mostly it was just like meet really great people. Like there are people that were working on like Power of Girls when I was interning who like I'm still friends with and still talk to mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. like are like really amazing friends and just good people. And I think that's something really important in animation because it's such a, a small industry is like making friends, and like <laughs> <laughs> making connections and just like meeting good people. So like a quick question that I kind of have, because you entered on Powerful Girls and you're currently on Kid Cosmic, do you feel like you have like this secret connection thread to Craig McCracken <laughs> in your career? It, it almost feels like it. <laughs> and joking with my friends, I was like, all right, so I've like worked on Craig's show. Now I got to go work on like Gendy's show and like all these other people that I like <laughs> watched when I was a kid. I got to collect them all. The old stands. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh uh, no, that's that's super cool. I, I I like that. I like that you do have like this secret thread to uh, Craig McCracken. <laughs> so uh, you also mentioned it before that you also did some freelance for Powerpuff Girls. Did that internship lead to that opportunity? Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten it without the um, the internship. When I was an intern, Gray Chen uh, was the PA at the time, oh. and. She was also doing color design freelance for Powerpuff Girls. And um, we were like mm. hanging out at one point and she was like, oh, hey, because she was on she at that point. Mm. And she was like, they want me to do more freelance and I can't take it on. So just like email them and be like, hey, I, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so because like I had like interned and because I like knew everybody, they were like, all right, yeah, here, take it. Like, here's an episode. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's really cool yeah it's really awesome yeah it was good it was also another thing i just like felt very lucky <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i mean so she did she let them know that oh yeah stella's gonna contact you guys and then um she can take it or she might have i'm not i can't remember exactly if she did or not but she was just like oh yeah email like adrian who i like worked with like a ton mm-hmm. while i was interning and they had known that i was mm-hmm. like interested in color design mm-hmm. so i think just knowing that like they could rely on me they're just like, mm-hmm. all right, we know this person. Like, she has some kind of like art skills. Just like, give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, but that's, that's really awesome. And something else I want to quickly mention: uh, Gray Chen is an alumni from San Jose State. Was she also your graduating year, or was she like a year or two above you? Same graduating year. Yeah, we like same graduating year. Yeah, we went through all the like painting classes and everything together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that shows that like, yeah, your classmates. You never know who's gonna help you with an opportunity in the future so like making those connections making like those networking experiences with your classmates is also super valuable totally and it's an example right here that through that connection and through her knowing you and knowing that you're a great person i was like hey this person can do it mm-hmm. yeah totally so on that topic kind of talking about like san jose state during your time <laughs> during your time there you had the opportunity i know amazing segues <laughs> Uh, you had the opportunity to work on a couple short films like bound for glory in 2015 and swiped in 2016 how was your experience working on those short films do you think those experiences helped you improve as an artist yeah totally it was kind of like the first time i'd worked in like a production sort of setting like towards an Mm. end product (laughs) you know like before that it was just like a lot of like schoolwork just like doing my own stuff and not like working Mm -hmm. like on a team with other people. And so just like getting that kind of experience, I think is really important. And it was also the first time that I had experience doing something like adjacent to the work that I'm doing right now. Um, Mm -hmm. For Bound for Glory, I did some color scripting. Oh, 
Oh, that's really cool. Which was super fun. And like at the time, that was kind of like what I wanted to do. um, Because like I said, like color design, like not a lot of people know about it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, like Pixar has color scripting. Like that's what I want to do. So um, Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of that for Bound for Glory. And I was like, color's cool. I love this. (laughs) And so that was really good. And like, I think an important moment for like defining like what direction I wanted like my career to go in. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then also the same thing, just like, it was like a ton of fun and like had like hanging out with friends and like doing that. And I think that that kind of like community aspect is just so important. <laughs> it's the same thing with like making friends in animation that mm-hmm. will lead you to other jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, I miss working in studio. <laughs> <laughs> same same reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also just nice. Like, remember like being around people, like being near people, <laughs> hanging yeah. out mm-hmm. with people. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you're right, like working on those sort of student driven films really do give you like an insight to how working in a production, working with other people, being a part in like a pipeline, really, it's a good experience. Yeah, totally. And, like join those teams and do those films. Yeah, not only does it grow your artistic skills, but also improves your soft skills as well. Because I'm pretty sure, were you also able to like, through working on those two short films, did you build up soft skills that you feel like were really applicable when you were interning at like Cartoon Network? Definitely. Especially like working with Dave Chai in like a different sort of like role. Like I'd had like, you know, see him at meetings and stuff like that. But like on the films, he was my director. So it was like a little bit bit, like different of a a relationship on those kinds of things. I think just like learning like how to like take direction and communicate with somebody in like a leadership role was super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think actually Dave Chai is really cool about this. For anybody who doesn't know, Dave Chai is like the head of the program at San Jose State. And every year he puts on a film that like sometimes he has alumni write it but like usually it's run by him and the benefit is that he has done a film like every year for years and years and years so he kind of like understands how to direct and he's also a teacher so when he's directing students he understands how to communicate with them and sort of like lead them in a direction where it's like okay when when something happens like this you should do that and it's a really fantastic environment for students and like a good opportunity to do something like that over summer and I'm sure that some other programs have a similar thing but like yeah if there's an opportunity to not only work on a student run project but a project run by like somebody who has directed before or somebody who has like a little more experience it's really invaluable yeah totally Mm. i think that that's Mm. a very good point (laughs) (laughs) so something something else i also really want to talk about that i think is like really really cool is that you also wrote and illustrated a children's book titled stormy about a girl who struggles with anxiety and her cat stormy helps her to be brave what compelled you to write that children's book Yeah. So I have anxiety. (laughs) I've dealt with like anxiety my whole life. (laughs) And at the time I wrote it while I was interning during my like senior year. So it was like a a time of like a lot of really like anxiety driving things were happening. (laughs) So I was interning and I was living in LA and uh, working in Cartoon Network, which is like super intimidating um, being around like professionals. And I was just thinking about like, what would I like wanted to have read as like an anxious kid um, that would have made like me feel better. So I kind of just like wrote the book like for myself as a child. Mm. (laughs) I think that was kind of the, like the driving factor behind it. That's really, that's really great. And you have a, you have a black cat (laughs) kind of like starry. I do. Yeah. That was also (laughs) another, (laughs) another inspiration. Um, I think actually the, like what like sparked the idea um, was that, I mean, as like most cats, he like runs around like crazy at night and he's like, he's huge. He's like a gigantic cat. 
So we like <laughs> sound very loud running like through the hallways at night. And I was like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, this is the loudest cat ever. And I kind of made that same connection to like, oh, like thunderstorms and all of that. So mm-hmm. that's where the idea kind of came from. <laughs> that's really that's cute. really funny. <laughs> that is cute. So I also know that it's not officially published, but do you have plans on getting it published? Or is it just meant to be for you and something to enjoy for yourself? Yeah, I think someday I would like to, I would like to pursue having it published. My mom is always like, oh, you got to publish it. Like, (laughs) I love it so much. You have to do it. (laughs) Um, But she's also a second grade teacher and she reads it to her kids in her class, um, (laughs) which is pretty cool. So I think just like knowing that like other kids really like it and I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I should like publish it someday. (laughs) They're going to grow up someday and be like, man, where was that book that like from my childhood? (laughs) No, I have to. No, I have to do it. And it's not going to be anywhere and you're not going to be able to find it. They're going to be like, oh, did I imagine it? (laughs) They're going to see the year it was published. I was like, wait, what? That was after I was in that grade. Like, like, this didn't... what? This, this yeah. book, oh, did, no. did my teacher read it to the me for the future? The whole timeline's going to be happened? messed up. <laughs> oh, I'm going to mess up some, some future kids. Some poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like, okay. so all jokes aside, that's really, honestly, I hope you do because like I actually read it myself when I saw it, it was on like uh, your portfolio website. Yeah, I was, I was really into it. That was a really cute story. I, I could see myself reading that to my future kids as well. Mm-hmm. It's extremely mm-hmm. sweet. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I also love the design of the cat. Yeah. <laughs> when he puffs up. Well, thank you. I will I will have to try and publish it now. <laughs> yes, please. But upon that, do you have like other ideas or do you plan on like making other children's book in the future? Or was this just kind of like a passion project or an idea, that spark that you had that you just needed to get on paper? I would like to do more children's books. Awesome. There was like a period of time where I was like, I want to illustrate children's books. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that's really hard. I'm not going to make a lot of money. <laughs> um, but I would still like, I think somewhere down the line, like I would like to do more of them. Um, and like a lot of like the, some of like my favorite artists do children's books. And like, I just have like so many like warm, wonderful memories about like reading books with like my mom and like looking at lots of different, like really interesting illustrators um, in those books. And I just like, mm-hmm. I, I would like to like replicate that for other kids. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely like something I will hopefully do someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you do. I think that'd be awesome. I would love to, I would love to read more. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so either personal or professional, uh, because this is a, a podcast where we are trying to spotlight BIPOC artists and individuals. How often does your culture as an indigenous person play a role in the art that you create? Yeah, I think it's not always like directly influencing Mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing. Um, Like not everything is about it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like, it just like influences everything in my life. You know, like that's like my experience. It's like what I've grown up with. It's like kind of created the person that I am today. And I realize that it also just like gives me a a different perspective on things than like a lot of other people have or like wouldn't necessarily think about. Mm. I remember a, a moment when I, I was like a lot older and I was thinking about in like California and like fourth grade, we do like the, like the mission projects mm-hmm. <laughs> where you have to like make a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, like doing that and like thinking we're learning about these missions because they were like an awful thing that like assimilated and destroyed like indigenous culture. Like that was the way that I interpreted it. Oh, how interesting. And then, like, as an adult, I was like, 
that's not why we were learning mm-hmm. about it. We're mm-hmm. just learning about it because it's like California history. Like nobody else thought that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that realization that's like, oh, just like my whole experience and like my identity and culture, like colors every single thing that I interact with and I like all the things that I learn about. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just like a super important thing to have in entertainment. I mean, entertainment like influences everything around us. Yeah. And there's just like not a lot of native people in entertainment. Um, and lots of times the like native people represented in entertainment are like played by white people. Like they're not mm-hmm. <laughs> played by native <laughs> actors. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, you're, if you haven't like lived that experience, you're just like not seeing it in the same way as if you like were actually native. So I think even mm-hmm. if like, even if I'm not telling native stories, my whole life is influencing like all the decisions that I make in the way that I'm seeing things and like creating things. Mm, totally. Because mm-hmm. yeah, we've had guests before where sometimes their culture does play, sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's like they're aware of it and they know at least it might not always come across again figuratively on paper but it is who they are it is how they perceive the world so just because they're not drawing really obvious like in your example just because their artwork you don't instantly see like indigenous or native native american right away doesn't mean the way you carry yourself and like what you do isn't inspired or isn't influenced by your background mm-hmm. yeah totally are there uh, any other thoughts on your culture that you like to talk about if there isn't, then we don't we don't have to like continue it. But right now, with there being such a focus on Black and Indigenous people and listening to those voices, any other thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I I really feel like uh, like Native people are like really like finally being like seen by other people. Um, mm-hmm. I really think that I mean this country has like tried to like eradicate Native people since like its inception, um, and I yeah. think people have like. Mm-hmm really like try to like ignore them or just not been aware of like native people um mm-hmm. like i remember my mom is like a teacher and when she was like student teaching a student asked her like oh are like na- do native american people still exist are they still like alive like they they didn't even like know oh my god <laughs> and that's Whoa. not like that uncommon like i mean probably not so much now but like there are some mm-hmm. people who are like oh i thought that was like a long time ago mm-hmm. so i think this like with like the kind of like the movement that's happening right now, people are like, oh, like indigenous people like have things to say, <laughs> like or that mm-hmm. they exist. Exactly, <laughs> they exist. Like they're I mean, not ancient history. <laughs> I, mean, I guess that kind of ties mm-hmm. into what you were saying earlier, like um, how entertainment influences us so much. Like it feels like the only time we ever see native peoples represented is like <laughs> they're in like old westerns or whatever totally. and it was like that was a long time ago and i don't know where they are now <laughs> yeah, i guess they knows? just don't yeah exist. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but there's definitely like some like really amazing like indigenous like writers who are working in like tv mm. right now um and like i think it's just like a moment where you can be like hey i'm like here and i have stories to tell um and like my perspective is just as important as like anybody else's Mm-hmm. And I think also just like because your lived experience influences everything. So like there might be like a white person who like wants to tell like a story about like indigenous people, but if they haven't lived it, they just don't necessarily understand it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the inclusion of indigenous people is like people are realizing like, oh, like I can't just get like Martin Scorsese to like tell this like story. Like we need to include actual indigenous people to tell these things. Right. Uh, which mm-hmm. I think before people were just like, I don't know, have that white guy play. I'm like, who cares? Like, nobody knows what an Indian looks like. Just, like, stick him out there. 
God. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Ugh. people are finally being like, oh, and there's people are here and they will tell their stories and mm-hmm. maybe we'll finally listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I think, again, that's all point why we kind of made the podcast. That's kind of the whole emphasis of the BI and the BIPOC is that we want to hear these voices. We want to spotlight these voices. So to kind of like talk more more about you specifically we know that you have an interest in like fashion plans interior design is that actually that that hobby or that interest of fashion and interior design has that influenced why you want to be a color designer like how how do those tie together in your brain yeah uh i think like almost everything in my life is like dictated by color it feels like <laughs> like that's always like the first thing i notice and like anything and like what will like attract me to like whatever i'm like looking at so like even like when it comes to like plants you know like there's some plants that just have like just such incredible colors like there's um like a cactus that i bought recently that is like so intensely blue it's like such mm. like a, a crazy Ooh. color for a plant and it feels almost like I have like my hobbies that I'm interested in, but what I'm really interested in is like finding really amazing colors and like looking at them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really that's really awesome. I, I I like when I when we talk about some people's hobbies because it's it's crazy how it links up to their professional work. Mm-hmm. It just it's so interesting to me. I'm like yeah, I like how your brain just like color, like how how vibrant is this color, like. It's it's so cool because like, yeah, actually, I love knowing people's different interests because I remember when I was interning at Pixar, uh, they showed us a screening of like Toy Story 4. And when we came out of it, I just heard all the different intern disciplines talk about different things like, oh, my God, did you, did you see the texture? Oh, my God, the lighting was so cool. And then the animation people was like, oh, my God, did you see how Woody moved? Like, oh, my God, there was so cool overlap. Like, uh. And then the story people was like, oh, my God, did you see that composition? Do you see that sequence? And it's just like everybody's interest came out. And even though we all like came out enjoying the film, it's like the things we enjoyed, the things we were focusing on were all different because of our innate personal interest and to me that was like one of the coolest things i've ever experienced when finishing a film just hearing all the different disciplines talk about what they found cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally i remember that a lot in like school too like whoever was studying what would be like oh like that looks so amazing and it's just like i feel like whenever people talk about what they're really interested in they like like totally just like light up and talk about it in a different way and it's always so like special (laughs) to hear somebody talk like that about something So what are some future aspirations that you have for yourself? I would like to be like a color lead (laughs) or like a color Mm -hmm. supervisor. Um, I really like just want to like stay doing color, Mm. which like, like you said, Yuki, like a lot of people like think of color, like design as like a stepping stone. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found when I've like talked to people in the industry and like when I've like interviewed for things, they're like, oh, like you want to keep doing color. Like most people don't. And I'm like, yeah, I love color. <laughs> like, this is all I want to do forever. <laughs> like, I could, like, do background paint if, like, I needed to. But, like, I really just, like, love color. I want to keep mm. doing this forever. <laughs> no, that's great. I, yeah. I, I, I love, I just love hearing that. It's awesome. I know. We need, we need a lot of good colorists. It's, like, it really is so important. I can't believe that. Actually, when I learned that color was like the stepping stone to design it like didn't make sense to me i was like that's like a completely different <laughs> skill set and also it's really fucking hard like yes, totally like I nobody know. nobody knows what color is like when i ask people they're they're like you says 
I don't know, it feels good. <laughs> just color. <laughs> yeah, color is so complicated and it's such like a, just in and of itself as a crazy concept. Like it only exists in relation to like the colors around it and the light and yeah. everything. It's, it's so mm-hmm. amazing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know. I couldn't be like a character designer. Like that's not. <laughs> it's, it's a completely different thing too. It, exactly. Like, it, yes. <laughs> I, I'm 100% there with you. <laughs> Actually, could you talk a little bit more about, do you ever do like lighting studies or things like that? Because you're really interested in color, but do you ever like uh, take time to think about different things like that? Like you're you're also doing lighting design on top of your color design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like special environments. I probably should do more lighting <laughs> studies than I do. <laughs> um, but just like the like the nature of my job, I'm kind of thinking about it all, all day long. Um, mm-hmm. We have like a lot of like really crazy like effects and all sorts of things going on in this Mm. show so like every single day i'm kind of like solving new color problems and new like lighting problems Mm. so like i i'm i find myself thinking back a lot to like my like fundamental classes with like oh the highlight and like the the shadow and like the core shadow and all that kind of stuff while i'm i'm doing it Mm. it's like thinking about fundamentals with like a lot more like complicated things going on at the same time so it's almost like every single day I'm doing like a million different little <laughs> lighting studies. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So that was an interesting question because I feel like we all could always be doing more studies. It's just whether or not we have the time. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot about it. I was just curious. <laughs> oh, it's like I'm transported back to like, oh, John Claps. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. School's over. He can't hurt you now. <laughs> Again, it's it's a helpful thing. Sometimes you do get a lot, like just your everyday job that you're working right now, you you do build up those skills. Like I can't tell you how faster I've gotten at drawing just in my job. Mm-hmm. But like if you're able to find the time, and again, it's never going to hurt you. It's only ever going to benefit you. For example, as being a story artist, I should be doing more film studies, studying compositions, stuff like that. I'm trying to find the time to do that. But like it's helpful, like with like, again, in visual development with color, color design, color styling. Doing like a film study where you do like a 30 minute painting or an hour painting of a, of a scene in a shot can only benefit you. But yeah, it's just finding the time yes. is a different story. Totally. <laughs> um, I found kind of in the same idea I found when I was in school, I feel like what kind of like prepped me the most for my job in school was that for a long time, I just did like timed half an hour or like hour long paintings. Mm. Even just like there's like different like websites where you can just like randomize like a location from Google mm-hmm. and just like setting like an hour timer oh, cool. like even like a, i think like a half an hour was usually what i would do is just like set a half an hour timer and just like paint that in half an hour and in half an hour like you're done because mm-hmm. i feel like in like for color design like definitely like, you have to be good at color like lighting like all of these things but a really important thing is speed mm. and i think like training myself to work that fast got me ready for the job that i have now mm-hmm. even more so than like doing like lighting studies i think mm. yeah it's cool it's a really good point so, like, at what age did you realize that this is what you wanted to do? Because, like, it looks like you have such a passion for color. But when did when did you realize you wanted to pursue animation specifically to do color and color designing? Yeah, I actually remember, like, the exact moment. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't remember, like, <laughs> when exactly it was. But, like, my, like, best friend, like, Micah Scherf, had been interning at Nickelodeon. And she, I can't remember if she, like, came back or I was visiting or whatever, but she was, like, Stella, there is a job where all you do is color characters. And I was like, 
really? <laughs> she was like, you should do that job. And I was like, I should do that job. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> and now I'm doing that job. <laughs> I think it must have been like my like, I don't know maybe my like fourth year in school and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to do that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, you went into school knowing that you wanted a career in animation, but it wasn't until that moment you realized the job that you were meant for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like both of my brothers went like to San Jose state and like, I saw like, like Dilla working in games and I was like that's cool games is a job I'll do games and then I got to school and I was like I don't want to do games <laughs> and then I was like oh tv is a job like I'll work in tv animation and I was like I don't know what I want to do there I'll do something though so mm. kind of like a meandering path to where I ended up <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's great you ended up where you need to be and hopefully your journey just keeps getting more and more amazing from here on out hopefully mm-hmm. Hopefully you just keep following Craig McCracken. Yeah. <laughs> keep collecting those <laughs> 90s cartoon directors. Yeah. So so finally, what advice do you have for students that want to pursue a career in animation? And uh, just a quick caveat, yeah. this can be super general or it can be specific to your career. It's however you want to bestow the advice. <laughs> okay, my wisdom on the kids. <laughs> <laughs> My, like, last year in school, um, I was a little, like, miserable doing, like, schoolwork all the time um, and kind of, like, mm-hmm. making art for other people, which took, like, a little bit of, like, the joy out of art. And I was like, this sucks. I want to do this. And then I realized, like, oh, I can make art however I want and draw whatever I want and do it for myself. And that makes me happy. And I think, like, learning that, like, I can draw <laughs> things that make me happy and I can like paint and do what I want. And it doesn't have to be like super realistic or like a moment from a novel or like anything. Like it can be like a silly cat doing whatever. And it's like, that <laughs> makes me happy. And mm-hmm. then if that makes me happy, it gets me to do art. And I think what's like most important about doing art is just like doing art. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be like a master study. It doesn't have to be like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like something that you think is like applicable to your career path or like in service to furthering your like career I think just like doing work is the most important part Mm. and that oftentimes like felt like a like a barrier was like oh but like what is this for like why like if I draw this like that's not like helping me like get better at doing whatever for like whatever I want to do and just thinking that way just like stopped me from doing art a lot Mm -hmm. so I think just like if it makes you happy and it gets you to do art like do it don't feel bad (laughs) don't feel guilty about it (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the advice that i would have given to like myself if i like Mm -hmm. could go back in time and be like so listen (laughs) (laughs) perfect that's great advice (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today and where can our listeners find you is there anything else you want to plug at this time you can find me on instagram um it's at S-T-L-L-A-L-N-G-F-S-H. It's my name with almost all of the vowels left out of it. <laughs> uh, same thing on like Twitter or at my like website, just like my sellalongfish.com. And I think everyone should check out Kid Cosmic. <laughs> it comes out uh, on February 2nd, which oh. from today is next Whoa. Tuesday, which is very oh soon. <laughs> yeah, it'll be out when this is out. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So everybody should go watch it right now. 
Yeah, please. Yeah, watch it right now. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it already. I was like, yeah, I was looking at the preview. I was like, dude, this looks rad as hell. I thought the same thing, and I've been working on it. It's so crazy. It's like an insane-looking show. I like, can't believe it. It's wonderful to work on a show that you really like. Yes, I feel like mm. incredibly, incredibly lucky that I like my show, and also like this might not happen again. I'm just gonna like just like this while it's happening. Hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed our interview with Stella today, please rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. If you have any suggestions for guests, please tweet at us. We love discovering new artists and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.